Valley Christian Church, it's great to see you guys. How you doing today? All right. Good to see some life in you guys. I am Stephen Francis filling in for Dr. Greg as we are now in week five of our series playlist. I hope you guys have been blessed by this series and maybe you're here for the first time. and You don't really know what we're doing here with this series and allow me to just fill you in real quick. We're taking songs, both new and old, and we are trying to pull out truths from these songs that apply to our lives, that can tell us truths about God and his word. And I believe we've definitely been doing that in the four weeks so far. First week, we talked about uh, U2's One and how we as a church need to be people that welcome people when they come in, that don't make people crawl or judge them for who they uh, are, what they've done. After that, we talked about In the Blood by John Mayer, and we talked about how we can have generational patterns, things that we do now that will affect our children and other generations after that. The week after that, we talked about Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do and how many times we blame other people for our problems when in reality we're responsible for those things and how to be sure that we have boundaries that keep us safe from that. But then also we talked about last week about Justin Bieber's love yourself and the importance of how if you do not love yourself, you put yourself in danger of being in very bad relationships, especially when it comes to dating. I believe today's message is going to be also very impactful, and I think it's going to hit every person in this room because I think everyone in this room at some way, shape or form in their lives has felt like the underdog has felt like maybe they weren't good enough, has felt like maybe they didn't have the ability to do what it was that they wished that they could do. And I believe that today's song is not only one that is upbeat and uplifting, but is one that truly shows the state of many of our hearts when it comes to how we wish people would see us. And today's song comes from a relatively new group and they're not actually singers they're more producers so to do this particular song they got some help from a very popular British band known as Coldplay so today we're going to be listening to the Chainsmokers their song called something like this featuring Coldplay let's check it out together pretty awesome song I saw some of you dancing out there too good for you it's good to have fun in church right I love the message of this song because the message of the song is pretty simple. Chris Martin, he's saying in the song that he's looked at all these people, legendary people, mythical people, people that he would look up to, that he would call a hero of sorts. And when he looks at these people, he sees characteristics of, about them that are great, that are awesome. But he doesn't possess any of those things. But someone comes up to him and says, listen, I'm not looking for somebody that has all of these great superhuman abilities. I'm looking for someone just like you. That's what I'm looking for. And I think that that's the case for a lot of us. You know, a lot of us don't really look to say heroes of sorts, but I think a lot of us many times look at somebody else, maybe someone we know, maybe an actual celebrity of some sorts, and we see what they have and what they're capable of, and we kind of feel inadequate about ourselves. I think every person in here has this idea. We would never say that people are perfect, but we have the perfect idea of what we would like to be. And we see that embodied in different people. Sometimes we see someone that we believe has the perfect marriage, has the perfect kids, the perfect job, perfect house. And when we look at all the things that they have, we realize, man, I'm so far off the mark that I don't see why I could be impressive. In fact, I think that the more we look at what other people have, the less we start to believe we actually have. 
In fact, I, if I could say it differently, I think the more abundance you see people have in their lives, the more poor you start to believe you are. And the truth of the matter is many of us were looking for somebody that would just see us for who we are and would appreciate us and, and love us and accept us. But I also wonder many times, what is the us that we want them to like? What is the us that we want them to appreciate? Because sometimes because of the things that we feel like we're lacking in our lives, the finances, the, the perfect body, the perfect relationships that we have in our lives, many times we like to articulate ourselves to other people in ways that aren't actually very true. Sometimes you can meet somebody and they try to come off as very overconfident. They act like they're a lot more stronger than they really are. They act like they're a lot more uh, whole than they really are. They act like that they have everything together when you can almost tell that it's all a facade. It's all just something that they're trying to portray to you because they are so insecure, but they don't know how to articulate it well. But then you have people on the opposite side of the spectrum where they know that they have issues, they know that they're lacking something, and because of that, that can be so hurting to them that they just try to over-communicate that to other people. You ever met somebody where it's like, hey, this is such a beautiful day today. It's like, yeah, that's so awesome. You know I'm divorced? And it's like... I, I was just trying to talk about the weather. Why are we talking about this? Or it's like, hey, like, do you want to go here? It's like, girl, you know I'm fat. I can't be out there. I can't be in those places. It's like, nobody was saying that. I just wanted to know if you wanted to go. And many times when we meet people that like to just shoot out random things about themselves like that, that create awkward situations, their mindset is, I want to say it before someone else does because I know they're already thinking it. But in reality, no one was actually thinking it, but because of how you feel about yourself, you just kind of projected that to other people so they can think it. In reality, I believe many of us want someone to believe in us because we don't believe in ourselves. We don't believe that we are adequate, that we have enough to have what it is that is sufficient for someone to really believe in us. And the first thing, if you're following along in your Valley app notes, is this, is we should never allow our deficiencies to become our identity. Let's be honest. All of us have shortcomings. All of us have things that we wish were better about us. But we also need to understand what it is that God has said that we are. Psalms 139 verses 13 to 14 read this. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And then we see in Ephesians 2 verse 10 which says this. For you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This word handiwork actually is the word poema in the original Greek. What is being said here by Paul, who is writing this to the church of Ephesus, he's saying that you are a poem written by God, filled with beauty and complexity to it but also created in a way where when people see it, when people encounter it, it causes for good works to happen. The thing about this is we see verses like this in Psalm 139, and we say, this is great, but I don't know if that's really true about me. I know that's what God says about me, but I don't really believe that that's what it is. 
I would feel more this way if I lost the weight that I wanted to lose. I would feel more this way if my relationship was different. I would feel more this way if my marriage was a little better. But because of that, I can only see myself for the deficiency instead of for who God created me to be. The thing that I want us to understand is that, yes, self-improvement is good. Self-improvement is just a part of life. But any argument about your worth is never an argument with somebody else. It's never an argument with yourself. It is an argument with God. Saying to yourself, God, I know this is what you said, but I disagree. I know you're in charge. You're the creator. But I believe that I'm actually less than what you've created me to be. And I think this is a trap that the enemy so often loves to put in our lives. Scripture says that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. He is a thief looking to uh, steal, kill, and destroy. And the way that he does that so oftentimes is by trying to isolate you. And he isolates many of us in two major ways. He does that through lies and he does that through labels. Lies and labels. See, in Genesis 3, we see how he works in lies. See, in, that, in Genesis, we see how God created a, the heavens and the earth, and he had this beautiful relationship with man and woman. And in that, he had this relationship, and he said, listen, I want you guys to trust me on this. Everything will be good with us if you do not eat of that tree in the garden, which is known as the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan shows up in the form of a serpent and he says, listen, did God really say you're not supposed to eat of that tree? And they said, yeah, we're not supposed to eat of it or touch of it. And he says, listen, he's a liar. In fact, he's holding out on you. And in that brief moment, that lie that he said, he, he went away and they caused for that lie to isolate them from what it was that God actually was in their lives. And they believed it and they ate of that tree which caused for destruction to come into the lives and to all of humanity. But then the other thing that Satan loves to do in our lives is he doesn't just like to spread lies that cause us to not believe what it is that God has said, but he also many times wants to label us. Scripture says that he is the accuser of the brethren, that he is someone that loves to say that we are not good enough, that we are less than what we should be. And many times because of our struggles and because of our shortcomings, Satan easily can come in and say, you know what, maybe you should just quit on this whole Christian thing. Maybe you should just quit on trying to really walk this faith out. Maybe you should just stay in this sin that you're in. Maybe you should just give up on this marriage. Because truly, if you can't do it by now, surely God does not love you. Surely this does not work. And that, again, will bring destruction into our lives. But I also believe that even though many times these things can come into our lives and can cause us to be uh, fallen in the way that we behave, I also believe this, that you may not be who you want to be, but because of Christ, you are exactly who God needs you to be. You may not be who you want to be, but because of Christ, you are exactly who God needs you to be. Now, let me kind of explain that, because when you first hear that, you may think that that's a little controversial. That actually may not be accurate. So let me just try to clarify that for you for a moment. Are there things in our lives that need to change? Yes. Are there things that we need the strength of God to help us to, to overcome? Absolutely. But do the shortcomings and the struggles in our lives get in the way of what God can still do through us, get in the way of the gifts and the talents that he has given us from birth? Absolutely not. Scripture shows evidence of this. First Corinthians 
1, verses 26 to 28 says these. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God. And by the way, I love this but God anytime you read scripture because when you see but God in a Bible verse, that's the equivalent of when the beat drops in a song. Because whatever you read after is supposed to be so much more grand and so much more awesome than anything that you heard before. So when we see this, we see, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. God is not looking for perfect people to do great work. God is looking for someone just like you. And what I love about this is that this isn't just wordplay here, but this is actually true of every character in the Bible. When we, many of you guys have grown up in church and you've heard the stories. And if you ever read Hebrews 11, you hear about how there's so many great men and women of faith that are mentioned in the Bible. People like Noah, people like Abraham, Moses, David, Rahab, and how these are people that we should look to for faith. But have you ever actually read those people's stories? It's actually crazy. If you were to read these people's stories and put them in today in 2017, you would be shocked that these were the people that God chose. Noah is in the Bible, who, by the way, is so famous. There are movies about him. There's art all over Valley Kids about him. Yet when we look at Noah's life, we see that God said that he was so righteous that him and his family were the only ones saved from a massive flood. Yet at the same time, Noah got so drunk that he passed out naked in front of his children. If Noah was around today, Noah would not be allowed to work in Valley Kids. <laughs> then you have Abraham. Abraham, who God chose to bring his lineage. Because of Abraham, we now have our faith in Jesus Christ. Abraham wanted to get in good with the Pharaoh so badly that he took his beloved wife and said, Hey, man, this is my sister. If you want to hook up with her, please feel free. Does that not make the marriage awkward? Like counseling must have been very tough for Abraham after that. But then not only do you have that, but you have Moses. Moses, even though he is the man that God used to save the entire nation of Israel out of Egypt from slavery, Moses killed a guy and ran away with it. If you think OJ is bad, wait till you see Moses, all right? Never got convicted. Yet still God used Moses to free an entire nation of people. And last but not least, Rahab. Rahab is considered one of the righteous women of the Bible. Rahab's job was a prostitute. If Rahab was in service today, majority of the wives in here would not want their husband near that individual. Yet despite how we might perceive those people if they lived here today, in God's eyes, they were considered righteous. In God's eyes, they were considered faithful. And God did incredible things with felons and crooks. How much more could he do in your life? 
the thing that I believe that we can learn is that God honors people for their faith and not for their perfection. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love the Bible so much and many times it's so easy just to read it, but you need to stop and remember what it's saying here. It's not saying that your credit score is what you is what is used to please God. It's not saying a perfect marriage and having perfect kids is what you need to please God. It says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And this should be encouragement for somebody in here today because your life may be a mess. You may have stuff going on that feels out of control. But if you have faith in God, you have more going for you than anybody else that has more money, that has a better life situation, better circumstance. Your faith is what is used to please God. And not only do we use our faith as a way to get to know God, but God uses us in that. John 14, verse 11 to 12 says this. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. That's an extremely bold statement. Because if you know Jesus' track record, you know he fed 5,000. You know he healed the blind. You know he brought the dead back to life. And the idea that Jesus says that if you believe in me, you will do just as good and even greater things than these is a powerful thing that he would use people like us to do that because of our faith. And here's what I'm saying, too. I don't want to give you guys the idea that we're supposed, that you necessarily will do things exactly the way that Jesus did. But the same way that Jesus brought peace to people, you can be a source of peace to people. You could be a source of restoration and healing for people. God can use you to do the same things that he was able to do through the power of his spirit. It may not look the same, but the spirit will be the same. And the more that we follow that, the more that we honor that, the more we'll be able to see God do incredible things in our lives. In fact, this is another point in your notes if you're following along with us tonight. Is that faith in Christ makes extraordinary heroes out of ordinary people. Extraordinary heroes out of ordinary people. Some of you may feel unqualified because of mistakes in your life, because you're just new to the faith and you're trying to figure this whole thing out and maybe whatever type of circumstances have come your way. But nevertheless, if you are in Christ, everything changes. Because of Christ, you are able to be able to reach out and do more than you could ever do by yourself. And God is willing, God is looking for you to do that. The question that we have to ask, though, is how do we do that? How do we make sure that we put ourselves in a position where we'll be able to be used by God in mighty, great ways, the same way we see in the Bible? I believe that we learn this in two ways, that you got to be available, you got to be obedient.
be available, be obedient. You don't have to do ministry full time. You don't have to have the entire Bible memorized. You don't necessarily have to get everything right about the Bible. Again, it's not about being perfect. We're not perfect people. But it's about being willing to say, here I am, God, send me. I love a story in scripture of, in Isaiah 6 where Isaiah is just this lowly prophet and he is brought into the presence of God. And it is incredible. It is awe-inspiring. And God is saying, who is it that will go and share my word? And Isaiah, although he knows that he is completely inadequate, although he knows he is unqualified to even be in the presence of God, he says, here I am, Lord, send me. I'll go. I'll share. I don't know if I'll be the best at it, but I'm willing to do the best I can. And he does. To be available and to be obedient, if you were to combine these words, I would say simply that it's, to be a servant. The scripture talks about the power of being a servant. In Matthew 20, we see this story, and I'll go ahead and give you the background before we get into it. In Matthew 20, Jesus is approached by a woman that has two sons, and she says, Jesus, uh, listen, I want to see if you can do something for me. He's like, yeah, absolutely. What do you need? He's like, listen, my sons, who, by the way, were known as the sons of thunder, now, think about that for a minute, that you would have two sons called the sons of thunder, but they need their mom to go ask a question for them, all right? What type of thunder are we talking about? But either way, she goes up to Jesus like, Jesus, I, I have a question for you. It's like, yeah, what do you need? And she says, listen, uh, I want my sons to sit on your left and your right side in heaven. You can pick whichever one you want to sit on the left or on the right, but I want them to sit on your left and your right in heaven. Can you make that happen for me? And Jesus was like, uh, nah, that's, that's not happening. But what I also love is that Jesus says this, Jesus first says this, and then he looks behind her where the two sons are standing and is like, do you guys realize what you're asking me? There's like, yeah, we absolutely believe what, you, what, what we're asking you. And then he also says this. Before I even say this, it also says that his disciples were by his side in this moment indignant with anger. To be indignant means to feel like something is unfair, so you're mad. So even though these two sons had asked this question, the disciples are indignant because they're like, oh, man, they asked him first. Now we're going to miss our chance to sit at his side in heaven. But Jesus says this to the servants, to the son, to the daughter. He says this, whoever wants to become great, you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The disciples, the sons wanted to do something great. They wanted to be great people. And Jesus is saying that if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, then you need to be able to serve in the kingdom of heaven. Serving and greatness are not two opposite things. They actually are cyclical. They create a circle. And Jesus is the perfect example of this. Once again, the way that he says that the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus is the greatest man that ever lived. Amen. But Jesus was also the greatest servant that ever lived. 
how he served even unto the cross was an example of what greatness looks like. And when we are available, when we are obedient, we are able to be able to access what it is that God has called us to do. You know, truth be told, anytime you are available and you are obedient, you are going to have times when you're going to get taken out of your comfort zone as well. Something that I remember in my time. Uh, well, let me say it like this. Um, something that many of you guys may not know about me. This may come as a shock, but um, I'm black. And um, not only am I black, but I grew up in a predominantly black church. And I loved it. To this day, I loved it. It was great. It was awesome. And I gave my life to Christ in that church when I was 15 years old. And I felt the call to do ministry when I was 17 years old. And I remember during this service, I was praying to God. And I was like, God, I'm available. I want to be obedient. What do you want me to do, God? Where is it that you want me to go? And I remember God saying to me, I want you to leave this church. And I was like, what? Why? And he told me that he wanted me to leave this church because he wanted me to reach people that the church could never reach. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the church was beautiful. It's awesome. I, I still visit it whenever I can. But God had a unique calling for me that did not fit me staying in that place, me getting out of my comfort zone. And I remember I was like, God, if this is what you want me to do, then okay, I'll do it. So I remember the first time I, I, I talked to a friend who was of Caucasian descent, and I was like, hey, man, can I see your church? I've never been to any other church except mine. Can I see what yours is like? And he's like, yeah, bro, absolutely, come on. So one Sunday we went to his church, and I remember I was standing there, and he kept looking at me every time, you know, something different happened in the service. And then at the end of the service, he was like, hey, man, did you like the service? I was like, dude, that was great, man. That was awesome. And I was like, is it like that every Sunday? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, my church does things a little different. I mean, first off, your service was an hour and 15 minutes. My church was five hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> you packed a snack when you went to church on Sunday. And then I was like, what was that song that you guys were singing? I thought that song was cool. And he, and he was like, oh, you mean Heart of Worship? And I was like, yeah. The song went like this. Many of you guys didn't grow up in church. The song went like this. It was like a guy on the guitar. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And I was like, wow, that guy is cool. He's up there with his guitar. He's killing it right now. And I, and I was like, so... Like, y'all don't dance at your church? He was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I was like, at my church, I was like, that was really cool. I need to download that song when I get home. But at my church, we, we listened to this dude named Fred Hammond. And Fred Hammond, his stuff goes a little bit like this. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come and when we go. We cast down every stronghold, sickness and poverty must cease. For the devil is defeated. We are blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed. I was like, we was getting down in the aisles at my church. Some of y'all have no idea what Fred Hammond is or what that song is, but that's fine. I see you in the back, Brandon. It's fine. I was like, man, that was, that was live. It was like, usually at my church, we dance, but this is so different. And, and then I was like, in the preacher, too, I was like, is it, is it usually that quiet when the preacher preaches at your church? 
He's like, what, what do you mean quiet, man? I was like, listen, dude, at my church, there is just as much talking in the audience as there is on the stage. Like the pastor will say, Jesus is Lord. And people start shouting, amen, hallelujah, preach, preacher. I was like, when the pastor said Jesus is Lord at your church, everyone just looked at him <laughs> and nodded their heads. He was like, yeah, man, that's how we do it. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, this is so different. But at the same time, if this is what God wants me to be, then that's what I'm going to be. And I remember almost feeling like, God, this is, this is not what I'm used to. But I'm going to be available. I'm going to be obedient. And I'm going to leave what I do know and go to where it is that you've called me to be. And hear what I'm saying in this room. I think that whatever church denomination or what affiliation that you're with, that's fine. That's a preference thing. This is just what God called for me to do. And because I was available and obedient, I was able to do more things and to reach the people that he's called me to reach. I probably wouldn't be working at this church if I stayed where I was at. I probably wouldn't be married to my wife today if I stayed where I was at. But because I am available, because I was obedient in that time, I'm able to be here where I am today. And God could be doing great things in your life as well. See, I believe this, that when you're willing to do what others won't, God will use you to accomplish what others can't. A lot of people are a lot more comfortable sitting where they're at. A lot of people are a lot more comfortable not reaching the person that is sitting next to them that they know is struggling. But what would happen in our lives if we were available and obedient to do that which God has called us to do? This is why I'm so grateful for the Valley family because this is so exemplified here. I believe the reason why we reach the people that we reach and why we're able to do the things that we do is because of you guys. Because of the many people that volunteer, shout out to all the Poughkeepsie volunteers that wake up five or six in the morning to help set up and create a church atmosphere. Shout out to every person that works in Valley Kids because working with children is a very difficult job. Shout out to every person that does the cafe and the host team. You guys should give yourselves, if you are in this room right now, can you give yourselves a round of applause for you deserve it? You work hard and we appreciate what you do. And here at Valley Christian Church, we've reached almost 200 people. Almost 200 people have given their lives to Jesus since January here at this church. And that's not because of what we just preach here on stage. We're not that good at it. That's because of your heart to serve people in our community. And because you're willing to do what so many other people won't, we're able to do what other people can't. And that is seeing lives change for the better. I believe that the more we are available and obedient, the more we'll be able to see God do incredible miracles in the lives of other people. I think if we're more available and obedient to share our faith with those at our job, we may start to see a shift happen in our work atmosphere. I believe when we are more obedient and available to God to trust in him, for what it is that his word says to be right and true. And we handle our finances the way his word says. We uh, treat people the way his word says. We forgive and we honor those the way his word says. We will start to see a change in that area. And I believe that if we are obedient and available and we serve, not just serve here at Valley. Thank you for serving here at Valley. If you haven't, if you're not serving, we highly recommend it, but still serving other people in your community. No longer looking to be served, but to serve. The shift that can make 
in the sphere of influence that is around you, I believe could be a powerful thing. You don't have to be perfect at it. You don't have to know the whole Bible. You don't have to have a great marriage. Because as long as you have faith, God is willing to use someone just like you. As we close right now, would you pray with me? I want to pray for each and every individual in this room. There are people in here that have faith in Jesus, yes. They trust in the Lord, yes. But maybe there's an area in your life right now where you just don't feel good enough. Where you don't feel like God can really use you because you're not living the way that you think is good enough to live. I want to destroy that lie right now. And maybe you're also in here and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never trusted in him, but you realize that, man, if faith in him can give me this much, then what am I waiting on? I want to pray for you as well. But first, this first prayer, Father, I pray for all of these incredible people, both here, both watching online, that love God, that are seeking after you, that are trying to do the best they can. But Lord, sometimes they just feel like they're not enough. Sometimes they just feel like that they are messing up at life and they're trying to chase this version of perfection that does not exist. I pray, Lord, that today you free them from the lies. I pray, Lord, that today you free them from the labels. I pray, Lord, that today that they walk in the person, Lord, that you've called them to be, that you've formed them to be. I pray, Lord, that each and every person here will be available, will be obedient to what you've called them to. And Father, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's different, Lord, that they will be able to see more and more of your kingdom flourishing in their lives around them because they were willing to trust in you with their faith and not in their perfection. And if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you realize today that that is the thing that is missing in your life. Scripture says that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And today we want to extend that invitation to receive Jesus today. And if you would like to pray this prayer with me, this is not a magic prayer. It just says the position of your heart. Please recite these words after me. Dear Jesus. I see you want someone just like me. I give you my life today. I confess that Jesus is Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins. Thank you for saving me. And I'm excited for this journey together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.